0: This is an exciting day for Standing Stone Ministries, as this is their very first podcast. And our special guests today are Jim and Debbie Hogan. They are the founders of Standing Stone. Twelve years ago, they felt called to care for and encourage Christian ministry leaders and their wives. They are a gifted couple who have been honed and equipped through years of service, and they've seen firsthand the overwhelming challenges facing our church leaders today as well as the devastating toll these pressures can take on them and their followers. We've all heard the tragic stories about high-profile pastors falling, but the alarming statistic that approximately 1,800 church leaders are currently leaving the ministry each month because of burnout or moral failure is hard to even take in. Jim and Debbie have written a book, Shepherding the Shepherds, and in it they discuss many of these issues, as well as their heartfelt story, of how God has called them to come alongside these ministry couples to provide care and mentorship to help them stay the course. So congratulations, Jim and Debbie, on your first of what we hope will be mini-podcasts. Thank you very much, April. Thank you, April. It's great to be with you both. We'll just jump right in, as I know there are a lot of people listening who are still just learning about Standing Stone and and all that Standing Stone Ministries does. So I guess what I'd like to ask you is, can you share with us your compelling reasons that led you both to want to start Standing Stone Ministries?
1: Interestingly enough, it actually started when I was 12 years old. Shortly after I had been baptized and accepted Christ as my Savior, our pastor ran off with the church secretary and left his wife and four children. And that happened in a very impressionable time in my life, starting my teenage years, and I decided that if that's the way that Christians behave, that I really didn't want to have anything to do with them. So for the next 10 years, I went in the total opposite direction.
2: People, I don't know if you know, but we were uh, high school sweethearts, so I met Debbie uh, shortly after her uh, pastor had run off with the church secretary. But in my life, I, I was turned off to God, too. I was raised Catholic, and the experience I had with the priests and nuns actually kept me from a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, It didn't get me any closer. So um, I wasn't walking with God when we first met, and neither was Debbie. In fact, it's interesting. We got married at a young age, and this year we're going to be celebrating our 45th uh, wedding anniversary. But as as faithful sweethearts, uh, we, we... had the good days and the bad days when we got to college. And after I had just graduated, I had asked Debbie's father for her hand in marriage. And remarkably, he said yes. But within several weeks after that, both Debbie's mom, dad, and godparents were killed in a uh, mid-air collision.
1: And that uh, this gave us more reason to be angry at God. And I remember really shaking my fist in the air and just saying, if that's what you're going to do, I really want nothing to do with you. A couple of years after that, after I graduated, we moved to Babala Island, and I had just started teaching and found out that I was pregnant. We hadn't really planned it, but that's what happened, and here I was, a young mother. At the time, Jim was running a restaurant. He was working seven days a week, about 12 or 13 hours a day. And I had this little baby who was colicky. I didn't have any parents to help me. And a wonderful woman, who happened to be the mother of two of my sorority sisters, came to me. Uh, She was actually the only person we knew who lived on Babel Island. And she said, you know, I'm not a grandma yet, and I would love to be a grandma, so can I be Jack's grandma? And she was wonderful. She would call me two or three times a week, ask me if she could take care of Jack. So when she invited me to attend a Bible study at her home, I just felt like I could hurt her feelings by telling her that God and I were not on very good terms. So I went to that Bible study, and as a result of that Bible study, I recommitted my life to Christ. At that time, our marriage was very, very rocky at best, and me making that commitment uh, really changed the course of my life and um, our marriage and um, as a result our, our children's lives as well.
2: Well, I don't know if it all started out that good, because all of a sudden I had this Jesus freak on my hands. Debbie had accepted (laughs) the Lord, was stumping me over the head with this Bible, and I I was very, very reluctant. In fact, to a point where it took me nine years with her constant prayer for me to when I finally made a commitment to uh, our Lord Jesus. It's interesting to look back on that and see how God was orchestrating our lives, you know, going from a a rocky marriage to finding Himself and finding Jesus and then coming together going forward uh, as believers. But God wasn't done with us. As I became a baby believer, I I met a, a guy who became my very close friend and who started a church that grew into a mega church over a 10 year period. By the fifth year, this guy who basically led me to the Lord had asked me to be on the board. By the 10th year, I was chairman of the board of a mega church, one of the largest churches in the United States. During that 10th year, unfortunately, my best friend, the guy who led me uh, to the Lord, had a moral failure. And again, we were submarined by the, the enemy taking out a phenomenal leader. So, you know, as you ask, you know, why why are we doing this? Well, I don't think we had a choice. I think God was really directing us and honing uh, our life into starting what we call Standing Stone Ministry.
1: Shortly after we uh, suffered the moral failure of our our dear friend, Jim was actually asked to go on staff at the church and to become the uh, the administrator to basically be the oil on the water to help transition uh, to a new pastor.
2: I won't go into the details, but there were some additional failures that happened very quickly after I took on that role. But about a year later, a guy by the name of Bob Shank came in and took over the helm and right at the ship, Uh, a man of integrity, a a godly man, took that that role, uh, and and for the next four years, I was his right-hand man as the executive administrator. So shortly after uh we 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 got to a point uh, that we we saw that the that we couldn't go any further with this the church the way it was it was slowly sinking that that initial uh, torpedo was a fatal blow and so we ended up merging that church back with the church that birthed it and uh in that process Bob Shank went on and started a, a new ministry called the Masters program and the master's program, and Bob Shank in particular, has been a major uh, turning point in Debbie's in my life because he started uh, a, a three-year program that talked about balance, margin, focus, all, all the things that, uh, that were missing in the lives of these pastors who were crashing and burning. So we decided um, at that time to go to uh, move to Colorado and build our dream home and possibly start a ministry there.
1: Yeah, we actually got to a critical point, and we uh, we were really trying to decide whether or not we were going to stay in California or whether or not we were going to try to complete this dream home in Colorado, and with the intention of uh, bringing ministry couples out and, and loving on them, and we were really at that tipping point when we received a phone call from our youngest son, who at the time was engaged to um, a, a darling, sweet woman, who had just committed her life to the Lord. And our son told us that the pastor of the church that they had been going to, who was also his youth pastor in his early days, had announced that morning that he had had a moral failure and that he was leading the church. And I would say that was really the tipping point that made us decide that if we could stop that happening with one pastor, that we would have really accomplished an amazing thing for the kingdom of God.
2: So I guess you could say we really had no choice. God is directing our, our life, opening and closing the doors and allowing us to get to the point where we were you know, following his direction and wanting to get into a ministry that would help uh, shepherd the shepherds.
0: That's an amazing journey you both have been on. And, you know, as I was researching a little bit before you and I, uh, we all sat down here to talk, um, I noticed that there are other groups out there that minister to pastors. And I just wanted you to have the chance to share with us today what, what exact, exactly happens at a Standing Stone retreat. And, and more importantly than that, what, what sets you apart from all the other ministries out there?
2: Well, I think we can begin with that we are one couple on one couple. We learned the hard way that if you get two pastors in the room, uh, it's kind of like a couple of used car sales, and They never stop selling. It doesn't allow them their time to, to let their hair down. So what we, one of the uniquenesses is that we do a husband and wife with a mentor couple one on one. The other thing that's unique is that we require that they come for a visit to a retreat for six nights and seven days. And I'll tell you, the, the, the normal pastor says, well, can we cut it down to three or four days? And the answer is no, because it takes that long. So let their hair down, to develop a, a relationship, a trusting relationship, with their mentor couple. We
1: do several things during that week. One of the things that we, uh, we start with, Jim and I are very open and honest with our stories, and we have trained uh, our other mentor couples to do the same thing, uh, to basically just share about our lives and um, the ups and downs of uh, ministry. And when we do that, it seems that that kind of helps them let their hair down and they're a little bit more willing to share it with us as well.
2: You can describe it like going on a second honeymoon, but with a purpose. And that purpose is to really have an opportunity to establish an ongoing relationship. The other distinctive that we have is that, and this was a surprise to us, we thought we would love on these couples for six nights, seven days, that they'd have a great time, we talk about focus, we talk about balance, we talk about margin. We'd work on their marriage and, and then um, you know, allow them to do what we call dreamstorming, so they give them hope and understanding for the future. But we thought we'd just be done with them after a week and pat them on the head and say goodbye, have a good life. But that's really when the Lord said, this is when it begins. This is the mentoring that I want you to start with. And mentoring to us is, is the, I guess it's easily described in what it's not. You know, we're not life coaches. We're not disciplers. We're not PhDs or MFCs. We don't shrink anybody. Though we do do some coaching, we do do some cycling, discipling, and we do do some, uh, a little bit of a tweaking. What we really do is provide a safe environment where we're accessible, where we ask very, very good questions, and we listen really well.
1: Yeah, we found that uh, oftentimes pastors get off course. And starting off, they just get off course at half a degree. But if they keep on that wrong course, uh, they're bound to run into an iceberg, and they're going to sink just like the Titanic did. But, you know, another thing that we do during the week, I think, uh, that's kind of unique. We like to host our couples with what we call excellence. We send them a food preference list before they come out so that we are preparing the meals that they want to have. We, right away, as soon as they come, we give them some ground rules and that is that they're not allowed to basically lift a finger while they're there. We are there to wait on them hand and foot. If they want a cup of coffee, they need to ask us and if we don't put enough cream in it, then they tell us that they want more cream, and <laughs> we go get more cream. So, so that's, a, that's another thing. And what, cause what we found with most ministry couples is that they come with this enormously huge uh, giving hand. That's all they ever do is give and give and give. And their receiving hand is often shriveled up. So we're trying okay. to, uh, to exercise that receiving hand um, a little bit, too. The other thing that we found with many pastors um, is that they have actually forgotten how to have fun. Um, They've kind of had the the fun beaten out of them. So we make sure that the week is really chock full of a lot of fun. We try to do things with them that they've never done before and uh, just have a lot of fun with them as a couple and teach them how to have have fun together. Um, Oftentimes we'll say to them, what do you guys do for fun? And they look at each other and kind of shrug their shoulders because they realize that they actually are not doing anything together uh, for fun. So that's another real important thing that we try to do with them during the week.
0: That just sounds wonderful because, you know, you just hear how pastors and their wives, they just live in a fishbowl. And what an incredible opportunity for them to just uh, be themselves, be transparent, and just download about the things that are important to them in a safe harbor.
2: Well, you know, the statistics, unfortunately, say that 81% of pastors, lead pastors, have no close personal friends where they can go talk to when they have problems. And that is uh, an astounding statistic, and it's, it's very sad. I've heard it described that a pastor is an island, and he's isolated and he's alone. Just recently, I heard a better description. He's really an iceberg, and you only see 10% of him above the water, And the rest of it is below water. We never see what's going on.
1: Yeah, and another interesting thing that we have found out, April, is that oftentimes it's actually the spouse who is more beaten up than the the pastor is. They have a tremendous amount of pressure on them. Um, yeah, their husband or, their, or, or their, and some we, we do have uh, women pastors too, so but um, the, the, the pastor has a job description. Um, he usually can actually pull out a piece of paper that will say where his responsibilities begin and where they end. The spouse does not have uh, have that, but what she ha- has is a tremendous amount of expectations. And the problem with expectations are is it's impossible to meet everyone's expectations because one person has an expectation that uh, they want her to be there at every single event. They want her to be head of women's ministries, do children's ministries, to entertain in her home, uh, where the other, other person uh, is wondering why she's always at church and not at home because that person thinks that she needs to spend more time at home with her family. So she's really in uh, in kind of a no win situation. So we are. Um, uh, that's another thing that makes us unique is we really are also trying to uh, to address her needs as well as his needs.
2: Yeah, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that um, we had a we had a couple say we know you're you're doing something to us, but we don't know exactly what it is. And what we pride ourselves on is that it's a non program program. The last thing a pastor and his wife need is another program to go to. So if, you know, we make it custom-tailored for them, for their needs. We know a lot about them because of the assessments that we go through with the uh, uh, strength finders. They, they fill out that form and send us their strengths, but God has made them to be. Uh, as Debbie mentioned, we, we get their food preference. We know exactly what they, they want to eat. But, you know, we're not getting up at 6.30 and having a prayer time, quiet time, and, and then at 7.30 we do this, and at 9.30 we do that. It is very casual, very tailored to what their needs are. And so we, we, we uh, specialize in trying to make it very personal
1: and meaningful
2: as they're there at, at, at a retreat.
1: Yeah, some couples you know, want to be active all the time. They want to, uh, they, they want to do a lot, of, a lot of activities where there are others that are so exhausted that all they want to do is just get some, some sleep and take three or four naps a day. And so we just really do try to, to custom, uh, uh, customize the retreats for uh, the individual couple.
2: The majority of conversations are done over meals, but we give them plenty of opportunity to be alone, so they can get reconnected with God, get reconnected with themselves.
0: Well, you both began this ministry on your own ranch in Colorado, your beautiful horse ranch, but now you're seeing this ministry rapidly developing into a nationwide ministry, and it just must be a remarkable thing for the both of you to see what God has done over the last 12 to 13 years, and I guess my next question would be, is just what, what has been your greatest surprise in this journey you've been on?
2: Well, you know, I, I guess you could classify from 2002 when we began to 2011 when God said, I want more. And that was a big surprise because we had a nice little ministry. We would uh, you know, host about eight couples a year because of the snow. We couldn't do it during the, the wintertime. But God said more, and we didn't understand exactly what he, what he meant. And what he was saying is, why do you think you're the only ones who can do it? Go out and train other couples to do what you've learned over these last years. And I said, what about a location for them? And we have this beautiful location that looks a, a, up onto the Continental Divide with a river running right through the property. And he says, look, I, I have stewarded a lot of people out there, vacation homes. Now, the guys that understand that it belongs to God, I just gave it to them for a while. So go out and ask those those uh, couples who have vacation homes to lend you God's home for a week's retreat. So what we've done over the years now is that we've trained 29 other couples to do what we're doing, and we're going to be doing more this year and continue to do in the future to do what we've learned how to do, and then to go ask people who have vacation homes to lend Standing Stone vacation homes from all over the nation, we've got people all the way from Seattle to North Carolina to Texas to Colorado. We're expanding and expanding and expanding uh, to the grace of God.
1: That's something that, that another uh, another surprise to us was the uh, the quality of the uh, mentors that we have trained. In fact, uh, Jim and I have done most of the training. We have two other couples that are helping us with training as well. But um, oftentimes. Uh, when we are doing these trainings, we almost feel like it's, it's two uh, high school basketball coaches trying to teach John Wooden how to how to coach basketball. The quality of people that we have as our mentors is just really amazing. Most of them have um, uh, uh, upwards to uh, 30 years ministry experience, so they really get it. They've walked in the moccasins, and um, they're there. Uh, to uh, to really come alongside of these ministry couples that, that just need someone to come alongside of them.
0: So as you watch Standing Stone ministry grow and you're training more mentor couples and you're training I mean, you're putting on more retreats, obviously, how do you see Standing Stone in the future? What, what, what do you both see for the future of this ministry?
2: Well, to answer that, we have to go back and see what we've learned over the past. and what we've learned is that, as Debbie alluded to earlier, is that you know the wife is beat up. that's a common thread. The husband is isolated and alone he's eighty one percent issue. and then we found that the young pastor, the the guy who's just graduated from Bible college or seminary, the statistics are telling us now that forty to fifty percent of them, are leaving the ministry never to come back within the first five years. So I think God has been challenging us on those issues of what we've learned, and we have now birthed, thanks to Ken Eichler, who is our uh, director of ministry, who brought to the table a concept of tapping into one of the richest resources in the church, and that's the retiring, retired, or bivocational pastor. A guy who's been in the trenches for 30, 40 years, who can't maintain the 60 to 70 hour week, but still wants to be in the game. Unfortunately, many of these guys have have opted out of Social Security um, at the you know request of their board or advise of their board, or or they haven't uh, done a very good job of, of uh, planning for their retirement. They're too busy doing God's work. So if we're finding some of some of these candidates as the greeter at Walmart, or helping uh, customers out to the car, carrying lumber at Home Depot. They're being forced to do things that they didn't want to do, and that uh, you know they thought they were gonna finish well, but being a greeter at at uh, Walmart wasn't in their plan. So what we're doing is we're tapping into this source and asking them to come along and be part of Standing Stone, to uh, get back in the game, so to speak, and to be the hands and feet of standing stone their main job will be something they'd probably really enjoy and that's calling on their local churches most of them know 10 20 maybe even 30 different churches in their specific area that they already know the pastor and can call on and say hey pastor bill how can i pray for you how can i be an adv- advocate for you how can i support you are, are you are you a board member that's driving you nuts or well, yell at me don't yell at him or do you have an associate pastor who's driving you nuts do the same thing or hey pastor bill have you and your wife gone out on a date night lately let us let my wife and i uh, babysit your kids while you guys go out and so what we're we're asking these uh associates to be our advocates and uh, potential mentors so that maybe at one point they can have a relationship with that pastor and say something like hey Would you mind if I talk to one of your board members and tell them things that you wish you could tell them but you can't? That's your number one job. The number two job is going to be available for a mentoring role for the Bible college and seminarians who uh, are getting ready to get into a life of ministry. What better to have is a seasoned vet who's got 30, 40 years experience under his belt to come alongside a student before he launches out into the real world and finds out that just having Greek and Hebrew under your belt doesn't make you a pastor, there's a lot of other practical things you need to use as you get into the real world. And the third thing I'll let Debbie talk about is the um, the wives.
1: Yeah, uh, we have several associates who are um, are actually spouses of pastors, so they're pastors' wives, and they know the unique. Role that a pastor's wife is in, so it will be their job to go into those churches and to basically love on those those women. We're hoping that they will be organizing coffees or luncheons or um, desserts or whatever uh, with the different pastors' wives of the churches that they're uh, that they're in to help them start forming some relationships and to let them know that they're not alone in their struggles uh, and. Uh, that, that they're there for, uh, for them as well, kind of the forgotten part. You know, I could, oftentimes when um, a, a pastor is, is hired, it's a twofer. Um, you know, you, you, you get two for the, for the price of one, or we call it a BOGO, you know, buy one and get one free. So um, we would have associates that are, would be going in and getting some support to those, uh, those spouses as well.
0: Well, it's incredible ministry, and as, as we wrap up today, I just I just want to say thank you, Jim and Debbie, for just for your transparency, for sharing with us today your story, and just it's an incredible incredible blessing for all of us to hear just your vision, your commitment just to the health of the church by caring for the needs of those who are leading it, and providing that mentorship and friendship, and it just. The common theme I hear throughout your your story is just it's relationship, relationship, relationship. And and that's what God calls us to do is to love one another. And so I just uh, want to challenge any listeners out there. If you have heard something today or re- uh, get, you have some type of nudging to get involved, um, you, can, you can receive more information about Standing Stone by visiting their website, standingstoneministry.org. That's standingstoneministry.org. You can write to Standing Stone as well, P.O. Box 434, Balboa Island, California, 92662. Or give us a call at the office, 970-264-9329. Thanks again, Jim and Deb, and just really appreciate you both. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks, April. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Thanks, Thanks, everybody, for listening in with Standing Stone Ministries.